and welcome to the Top Order Podcast. This is our World Cup daily update. Don't hold us to that. We're, uh, we're going to do our very, very best to try and give you daily updates, but we, uh, we are four guys with, uh, with full-time jobs and, uh, and these games are late at night, so who knows. But yeah, very, very happy to be starting off day one uh, with New Zealand versus England. And we'll be back right after the swish. Boys, honestly, I, I, was, I was clean shaved last time I slept. I've been up all night watching this game. Absolutely couldn't be happier at, at this moment. Uh, I know you guys, Baldy, uh, we will, you'll get to hear his voice, listeners and, and uh, viewers, in a minute. It's, uh, it's something, something very special. Um, Raj, you must have woken up this morning. I know you didn't get to watch the whole game uh, live. You must have woken up this morning. It's the dream result for you, isn't it? Conway 100, Ravindra 100. Incredible. Incredible result. I woke up and I think I said two words, wow, we. Um, I was very <laughs> excited about that result. Um, it's hard to say unexpected because, you know, any team, I think you mentioned it, Stu, any team can be any team on, on their day and definitely between these two two sides but um, no one was expecting that kind of victory that kind of uh, dominance I, I thought that um, England were short when I did see their final score but not that short that that was that was an incredible batting performance I think by the by the boys and I'm looking forward to seeing the highlights today at some stage uh, it's an it's an absolute must watch for for any New Zealand cricket fan and I mean yeah I've so I took the day off uh, today on Friday here in New Zealand time. Uh, because I just kind of been fizzed up about this World Cup, wanted to wanted to watch it, uh, and decided I was going to just stick in for for all night. And honestly, yeah, you you sort of start watching the game, and like you say, two eighty, you think we've done pretty well here, and it's a weird sort of weird sort of game. It made me think two eighty is still quite a big score for us to be thinking we're like we're in with a real chance. But the way Ravindra and Conway batted, I, I honestly. I, I haven't seen a dominant New Zealand performance like that for for such a long time. They they made England the England bowling attack look second rate, and when you look at that England bowling attack on paper, it looks very very good. So yeah, I mean, we we will talk more and more about Devin Conway's innings and and Ratchet Ravindra's innings, I'm sure in particular because that's the one that probably takes people the most by surprise, but. Baldy, I'll, I'll give the listeners the chance to, to listen to you and, and I guess your first thoughts on, on when you saw that score this morning. Yeah, well, I saw the score at various different states over the last sort of six or seven hours. Um, I haven't slept well and it sounds like it sounds like I haven't slept at all, but I, I have just lost my voice. I'll be back. I'll be back, listeners. Don't worry. Uh, but the podcast world rejoices that the fact that I've lost my voice. Um, look, I thought New Zealand did a great job of restricting England's vaunted top order to 120 for four. Uh, like that was the last score I saw before I really went to bed. And I thought England uh, are in a bit of trouble here. But then you have a look down their lineup and Chris Wokes is batting at nine. And you and you kind of look at it and go, well, England could be all out 185, but they also could get to 300 from here. And they nearly did. So when I when I then woke up at 2 a.m. and saw New Zealand were, were chasing 280, I thought, well, England have done a great job here and, and New Zealand are going to be up against it. But, you know, from one for spit to 283 for one, just a tremendous, um, tremendous performance by that by that New Zealand top order of of two of our favourite players in the podcast. And why don't we go back to let, let's do this chronologically. Let's go back to selection because I think there's a, there's quite a lot of interesting things to discuss there. For for New Zealand, 
in particular, uh, there was no, there was no, there's no Williamson, no Southie. Those were expected. We didn't expect that Lockie Ferguson would have a, a little niggle with his back, so he was also unavailable for selection. And then they don't pick Ishodi. So New Zealand goes into the side with only three specialist bowlers. Raj, what were you thinking at that time? Well, yeah, uh, I, I thought they were just going to go around the field and give everybody a couple of overs and then see who did the best and then give them another round. But um, look, I, I'm pleasantly surprised by by that, especially because of how we came or how England came out of the blocks uh, really fast at the start of the um, start of the innings, and we managed to pull that back through our spin and some good bowling from from Matt Henry. Uh, but I was very surprised with that makeup. They were obviously, they being uh, New Zealand camp, were obviously thinking that this was going to come down to a batting duel of, of, of some sort of some sort. Um, and uh, you know, I guess they they may have been right. I don't know. But um, there are some interesting selection questions I do want to pose to you, Stu. But I'll get um, I'll get Baldy's take on on that question first. Yeah. Uh, what do you make up of this? It's team? it's a really interesting one because I think in the lead up to the World Cup, Australia talked about wanting to have three different looks that they throw at at sides, and one of them was an eight batter lineup with three specialist bowlers, and that's what New Zealand have gone for here. The only thing I think I would have maybe liked to have seen a little bit more is a little bit more of Glenn Phillips at the bowling crease. You know, he had two wickets in three overs, looked like he was going to be really successful. I think he pinned back. Um, Mo Ali, and he also and he also got Joe Root as well. So, you know, big wickets in the context of the game. Um, so I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Glenn Phillips. But look, as you look up and down that order, Matt Henry did a really, really good job. Uh, three for 48 off his 10. And, and Santner did a fantastic job. You know, two for 37 against that lineup, um, where I think, you know, England would have looked at that and gone, well, if we could attack Santner, then it means that, New Ze- like New Zealand have to get 20 overs from Nisham, Ravindra and Phillips who are then under way more pressure. So the, the fact that the, the main three bowlers stood up and went for under fives, all three of them, just a fantastic performance from New Zealand. So, so I'll pose it back to you, Stu, in a, in, a, in a slightly different way. So how do you feel about the 20 overs that were made up there by Nisham, Ravindra and Glenn Phillips? And I actually thought we would see some Mark Chapman, uh, definitely before Glenn Phillips. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel about the makeup of that that side? Uh, I, well, just one on Chapman. I, I don't think we'll see him in in the World Cup. I think he's, um, I think he's well. As far as I know, he's you know he's sort of lost it a little bit with the spin. We yeah, I would say Phillips. From what I hear, it sounds like he you know works. He loves bowling, so he's bowling constantly. He's yeah, he's someone they bowled in the warm-up games. I wasn't surprised to, to see him at the crease. Maybe Daryl Mitchell's probably someone I, I thought they might roll an you know might might roll an over to or two when the in when they were going round in the circle. Who can who can bowl a couple of overs? Um, but on the on the selection, I thought it was a mistake at the time, and I actually still think it was. I, I think it's kind of you know if you look at that lineup. New Zealand's gone one thirty-three for six from their thirty overs of Santner, Henry, and Bolt, and from the seventeen overs of Nishan and Ravindra, they've gone one hundred and thirty, about the same score, one hundred and thirty-two for one off seventeen. So, I think you're looking back at that score and going, well, if we had Ish Sodik, we, you know, we're restricting them to even less. Maybe not because you see that you that Ratch and Ravindra picks up a wicket. He's, you know, very fortunate wicket uh, for anyone who's seen it bowled four half-trackers in a row to Harry Brook. He's 
smacked three of them to the fence and then hit one of them straight up in the air. Uh, and then Glenn Phillips has come in and picked up a couple of wickets uh, at very, very crucial times. That Moe Nali wicket in particular was crucial. And then to get Root at that time when Root was about to go uh, was was a really, really big wicket. So yes, those, you know, yes, they made that game. I think it was a big gamble. And obviously it's paid off now that we've won the game. But yeah, I, I think they'll still be looking at decisions what went, uh, going forward and how they structure that side. And, and maybe it will be a game-by-game game balance. And, and just sort of take, taking a slightly different tack, you mentioned there the, the wicket of, of Harry Brock. And I know, Baldy, you may not have seen this yet. What do you make, uh, Stu, of the manner in a few of these, of the manner of, of a few of these uh, dismissals, particularly the, the sort of Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Harry Brook kind of uh, dismissals. They, they're the sort of, especially the Harry Brook one, as you mentioned, those are the sort of selector killers, the coach killers, the captain killers. Uh, what do you make of the manner of, of, of their dismissals? Is that something that we just don't worry about these days in, in white ball cricket, or is that going to be a talking point? Oh, I mean, it was certainly a talking point through the commentary the whole way. They were, they, you know, there was many times where the commentators were referring to them as gifts. You you thought that yourself as a New Zealand fan. You're watching that. You're sitting there going, this pitch is just flat. It's There's runs galore. And every time it seemed like England was about to kick on, they would lose a wicket. They would chip one to a boundary rider. They would, you know, miss miss the ball and get bowled. It, yeah, every single partnership that they started, New Zealand would just pick up a wicket. And I do think New Zealand has to take some of the credit for that. And probably a couple of people we haven't mentioned, Mitchell Santner, I think that's the best, you know, right up there with the best 10 overs I've ever seen him bowl in a, in a white ball game. He went through that 10 overs without a boundary it was just a masterclass of varying his pace, like totally understood what needed to be done on that wicket to go through and what did he go for? 37 or something off his 10 overs. Yeah, no boundaries at all. He was able to change his pace. He was able to flight the ball. And the other spin, all the other spinners that played the game, you know, Ali, Rashid, as good as he is. Uh, Liam Livingston, Ruchin Ravindra, none of them were able to kind of flight the ball the way he did. And yeah, it was it was a huge, huge credit to the way he bowled. And the other person I would highlight is Tom Latham because we've just talked about the resources that New Zealand had to play with. He He's had a lot of criticism in the past, I think, as a captain, as someone who kind of just sits there and kind of lets the play happen in front of him. But he was brilliant yesterday in that game and um, and well, last night, a few hours ago, whenever it was. He just was able to kind of manage. He rotated his bowlers so well. He brought brought guys in for one-over spells at times. He brought guys on to take wickets at different times. And it, it always seemed to work. And every kind of every time England seemed to be getting away, he changed those bowlers and he didn't let he didn't let things drift at all. And I thought that was yeah, really real a real credit to to him and and Nasser Hussain actually pointed it out in the commentary about different ways that that captains can actually have a massive influence on the game and bring a score down by 20 30 40 runs and and that makes a, a that makes that's the winning and losing of a game and and today it certainly made a big impact I was really actually really excited by the way that he responded to that start from England because that wouldn't have gone to plan at all for the New Zealanders they bowled a lot of four balls early on um and uh, he he, he initiated that that comeback through uh changing his resources as you say baldy i'd like you to pretend that you're binksy right okay. now if you could put an accent on that would be great um 
panic stations for England? What are you, are you going to be hitting the big red button? What, what are you going to do? Uh, what is England going to do going forward? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, as he, as he pointed out in the Slack channel, these are the two finalists from last year's World, oh, last the last World Cup, the last go round, right? England have got a lot of games to play. All the sides have to play each other. It's a long tournament, so one one game does not a tournament make. Uh, but England have got humped here. No doubt about it. And they're going to need to bounce back from a significant shellacking in an area where I don't think they expected to get humped. Like, as you say, that's a very, very good polling attack. I looked at that side going to bed when it was announced, and I thought to myself, that could be, on paper, one of the best ODI sides England's ever put out, if you have a look at it from top to bottom. They've got quality bowlers all up and down that lineup. They've got bowlers who can bowl in all sorts of conditions. They've got lots of variation in their attack. Left, right-handed, swing, pace, good spin, experience. England England got taken apart by New Zealand's batting, quite frankly. And, and that would be the thing that, if I was an England fan, would be slightly concerning. Yes, England gave away a few wickets here and there, but the way that they play their white ball cricket, we know that that's going to happen on occasion. And and you have to take that in the stride of being able to go and have those people come off and make 400. Would Ben Stokes have made a difference? Maybe a little bit. He might have added a little bit of starch to that middle order. He might have added a little bit more calmness and assurance in the field. He may have bowled an overall two and taken a key wicket. Who knows? Uh, but it's a long... It's a long tournament. I don't think England need to panic yet, but there's probably a little bit of self-reflection and, and and maybe a question of were we ready for the first game of the tournament because New Zealand definitely were, and they I think they took England by surprise a little bit. Yeah, I, I think your your ready th- ready point is a a good one. It, there was there was a little bit of talk in the build up about how yeah you know there's been rain in these warm up games and, and New Zealand probably has had the better of that in the, the um. You know, in those build-up games, we've actually managed to kind of get some time at the crease, particularly someone like Rachin Ravindra, who got 97-odd against Pakistan. And, and maybe that's that's where we can go now to, to New Zealand's batting. And um, on Ravindra Raj, I mean, how big do you think this is for him? I mean, I don't know that, uh, you know, the, all throughout the commentary they were talking about... Uh, you know, how if this is an amazing youngster bursting onto the stage. And I guess for New Zealanders, we've seen him on the stage now for a little while, but it does feel like he's been starting to find his feet. And now he Williamson's out. You know, you mentioned Stokes was out for England before, Baldy. These, these players that uh, we expect to play huge parts in the tournament, Kane's not there. Rachin Ravinder steps into number three. And actually, when I even saw the New Zealand lineup. I, I still thought, even though he was carded to come in at three, I thought Daryl Mitchell will come in at three. Like, that's just the way New Zealand's been going. Mitchell will go up at three, and then they'll push everyone up, and Ravindra will be about seven, six or seven. But they put him at three, and boy, did it pay off. And, you know, I don't know now what this means for the, for the rest of the tournament and for Rutchins, for, for the next 12 months for Rutchin. You know, we've spoken to a lot of guests on the podcast, and often they talk about one innings or one moment where they at the end of it, they felt like, okay, I belong in international cricket now. I feel like this is that moment for Ruchin Ravindra. After this, he must know that he well and truly belongs on the international stage because that was a statement performance from him. 
you know, there's a lot of runs to get, 282 for nine. They're all there for you on the wicket. They're all there for you in the field. But you still got to go get them. And you still got to go get them against Wokes, against Mark Wood, against two very experienced spitters in Rashid and, and Moali. He had all the work to do. And and after Will Young was strangled down the leg side first, Cherry and gone, you know, that's a great start for England. And so he had all of that to climb. And then at the end of it, to come away with a with a hundred knot, that's got to be a, a defining performance in his career. And, and if he doesn't feel like he belongs in international cricket right now, he absolutely should. And he should be taking that momentum into every game he plays for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, uh, just to to build on that, I guess, uh, you know, this is going to sound a little bit dramatic, but he's just played an innings that's actually going to change his life, uh, Ratchan Ravindra. Absolutely. Um, all of a sudden, every uh, war room in IPL has his name on their board looking at him, whether he gets a contract or gets a look in next year in the IPL. You know, regular listeners of the podcast will know that I'm very excited about the balance that Ruchin can bring to our test side and our red ball stuff. Yep. Um, this white ball string that he has to his bow now um, has been less prominent uh, for me, but shows that he can play a role in the top order. He can play a role in the lower order, closing a game with the ball, uh, closing game with the bat, and also with the ball, should he need to contribute on that side of the um, ledger as well. So... I think that this is a massive stepping stone for him. I don't know what happens when um, Kane Williamson and Tim Southey come back and where he sort of fits into the rotation there about which lineup they want to put out. Uh, as you said, Mark Chapman uh, was a bit of a spare part today, so I think that he um, his World Cup might be over barring injury. Um, and, yeah, I'm very excited to see what, what combinations we throw up going forward. You know the you know the two numbers that really impressed me, Raj, in that innings are eleven and five. The the criticism of Ravindra in the past has been that he's not explosive enough. But if you have a look, struck at one hundred and twenty eight, so he struck it higher than Devon Conway, scored eleven boundaries and five sixes. So he put the ball to the fence and over the fence, and and that's one thing that has been criticised about. Ravindra's game in the past that he's not explosive enough, particularly if he's going to bat at the in the later stages of the innings. But he showed there that he could really accelerate an in innings. Um, I, I just thought it was a terrific performance, and 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 we're overshadowing the fact that Devin Conway, I think, scored the fastest hundred by a New Zealander in a white ball game. Well, it was it, well, no, not not in a white ball game, but uh, in a World Cup. Oh, game, a World and, Cup game. and actually, yeah, Conway enough. scored it, and then Ravindra beat him by one ball. <laughs> It was it it was uh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was fantastic. But to build, it, we'll get to Conway because don't worry, I want to talk about him. But um, yeah, to build on your Ravindra thing, and, and even um, when we talked to him on the podcast, I remember we, that we finished that chat twenty minutes, half an hour, or whatever it was, and we all kind of just looked at each other and went, "Geez, this kid's got something special about him." And you sort of you could feel that he he had that self belief, but like you say, it it wasn't arrogance. It was you know, I know that I can do this and, and I've, and I'm going to put in a, a heck of a lot of work to make sure that this happens. And yeah, it was really, really nice to see him succeed on that stage. And, and I think the thing that struck me and, and Tom Latham actually talked a bit about it after the game is, is how quickly they went and how they just kept peppering boundaries. And they just, I think uh, there was some sort of, oh, I'm going to butcher the stat completely now, but um, there was, there was stats going around about, how maybe in the first 15, 16 overs, 17 overs of New Zealand's innings, 
they were hitting a boundary on you know more than 50% of those overs. They were hitting a boundary on the first ball, and it was just taking, it was giving them all the momentum and just putting all that pressure back on England. And what Laith, uh, I think it was Atherton, talked to Latham at the end of the game and said, you know, was it was it your plan to always come out and go that hard at England? And he just he said no, it wasn't really. They and they just played good shots. That's you know that's what Latham said, but that's actually what happened. They went out there. Rachin Ravindra, I think, blocked maybe his first five or six balls. Then he got one on his legs, clipped it, clipped it sort of wide of mid on to the boundary. Wokes ran in, bowled a short ball to him. He was waiting there, rocked back, whacked that one to the boundary, and he just, you know, just grew in in uh, in, in stride from there on. And honestly, you guys will you guys will watch these highlights a little bit later on. There's a six that he hits off Chris Wokes, uh, straight straight back over his head, sort of deep into his innings. That is just stunning. And you know the way he hit some of the spinners for took them down. And yeah, it, it like you say, this could be a really really special innings for him. And um, yeah, really propel him, and I and I, I mean, he's got to be there now, right? He's got to be there for the rest of the tournament. So yeah, who he who he replaces, I think we'll we'll see depending on different conditions. But yeah, very very excited for for what he's just done, and and um, yeah, we should probably talk about Devin Conway now, Raj. Any anything you want to say about him? I know you did you predicted him for leading round scorer of the tournament or player of the tournament? I think. Whatever you did there, it's it's off to a pretty nice start. No, it wasn't me. I actually picked uh, Johnny Bairstow. It might have been uh, Baldy or Binksy there. But um, it's interesting because he scored 152 of 121. And, I'm, you know, it's just, you know, business as usual. I'm not I'm not blown away by it. I just expect it from, from uh, Devin Conway. I think I saw, I'd look back through his results. Is that his fourth hundred this year in white ball cricket? I think it might be. Oh, may well. Be. I think it might be. May that well that's be, an incredible, yeah. incredible result um, for him. I don't know what to say. He he is what we expect. Um, and, you know, that kind of service is what we expect every game from Devin Conway. And when he doesn't provide that, you know, he provides a mega forty. Um, then we, you know, that's when we get our backs up. But I can't, I can't give him enough superlatives. He's just that good. I'm looking forward to watching these two glorious left-handers in the highlights. I tell you. Um, yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's funny when in the in the in the game, and even like the commentators were talking about it, and even in my head, I was thinking, "Geez, Ravindra's smashing it everywhere." And then you look over and you see the scores, and yes, uh, I think Ravindra might have. Baldy, you said Ravindra might have got a strike rate above Conway right at the end there, but Conway had Conway got a, got a thirty six ball fifty. Ravindra got a thirty seven ball fifty. And Conway, you know, Conway got to the hundred about the same time. Conway, yeah, he just did it in a very like, oh, yep, there's a half volley. I'll smash that through the covers for four. There's one on my legs. I'll clip that down to the boundary for four. Oh, you know, there's a short one. I'll pull that one. Like it was just a no fuss going at a hundred, you know, hundred and thirty strike rate the whole way. And yeah, and then and then they got to um, the funny thing is they were kept. Uh, um, I think it was Mel Jones in the commentary was was talking about how um, at one point with about a hundred runs to go, she started saying, "Oh, well, there should be." I wonder if they're starting to think about net run rate, and uh, and the English people, the English the Englishmen in the commentary box were going, "Oh, come on, come on, just give us a, give us a chance here." Um, but then it got to it got to thirty eight to go with uh, at the drinks break, and they went, "Okay, Conway took twenty off Sam Curran's next over, Ravindra took fourteen or fifteen off the next over." Two balls later, they'd won the game. So yeah, they're obviously thinking about that. And 
for them to, for Conway in particular to to just be able to accelerate at those right moments and and yeah it it was a really special innings. I always think about Stephen Fleming's hundred in, in um, South Africa back in two thousand three. I think that was um, and and think about it as one of you know one of the best World Cup hundreds I've seen when someone just takes the you know takes the game by the by the um, by the collar and wins it. This, these two both did that today. It was it was a really spectacular watch. And that's one of the big takeaways, I think, from the game from a tournament perspective is that New Zealand, not only having beaten England, having beaten a rival for the top four, but they did it in a way that really significantly ups their net run rate. So if you have a look at it, England were like five and a half, something like that. 282 is roughly five and a half, right? But New Zealand was 7.79. So that's plus two already for New Zealand in this tournament. And so if it, as we predicted in our uh, in our preview show, if it does come down to, you know, three or four teams roughly on the same number of points, net run rate's going to be huge. And this is a massive boon for New Zealand in the context of the tournament to get away with not just a victory over a rival, but a victory over a rival with a huge net run rate boost. That's going to be huge for New Zealand. I can still see England finishing seven and two in this tournament, you know, through pool play. But if they drop another game and they're in amongst South Africa, Australia, Pakistan, etc., fighting out for position three and four or, or, you know, four or five, six, whatever, this is going to be a bit of a hurdle for them to have to come back from now. They're going to have to thump a lot of those lower sides that they expect to beat and thump them significantly to claw that net run rate back over the course of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, I mean, yeah, as you guys said at the start, one one uh, one game doesn't make a, a World Cup. We saw that in the, the T20 World Cup for New Zealand. We, we got off to that rollicking start. We did make the semis, obviously. Um but yeah, didn't didn't win the tournament. So the, there's there's still a lot to come. But yeah, huge huge performance. Uh, I guess just before we 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 look forward and then sort of just finish the podcast. Anything you wanted to add, Raj, on on uh, on the result or uh, give a shout out to anyone else on that New Zealand side? I know we focused largely on on New Zealand with the the you and me here and, and no Binksy on this call. Yeah, no the, the the one I wanted to highlight with the ball we've talked about Mitch Santner, he was he was incredible but um, Matt Henry uh, I thought that he bowled incredibly well when there was pressure being leaked at the other end a little bit um, he was the only one who really with the new ball bowled overs with sustained pressure uh, his wicket of Milan was was well deserved and it, it, it helped us sort of stem that run run rate uh, before um, Santner came in as well and did that but Matt, Matt Henry who's often been overlooked for the you know the Bolton Southie performances I thought he was really good uh, and this this could be his time to stand up his World Cup uh, so he um, yeah really really good performance from him Oh, absolutely, and um, yeah, it's funny. Even even when you're seeing team selections in the lead up to the World Cup, people are, you know, ideal New Zealand 11s and things, and and lots of people still sort of not not many people outside of or not many people in New Zealand, but people outside of New Zealand, sort of the the worldwide media look and don't name Henry in the side. They they were naming you know Lockie and Southie, and um, as Lockie Southie Bolt as our three seamers, Henry's been spectacular for. Yeah, for four years now, and and um, yeah, as you say, he's he did a wonderful job in this game, and yeah, let's let's hope he can he can go because he he as you say, I think new Trent Bolt was a bit off to start that innings, and it looked like England was going to get away, and then Henry takes that wicket, and it just every you know as we said, every time it looked like England was going to get away, 
someone came on and stemmed that flow and yeah huge huge for the tournament i know we said we'd try and keep these short we've got a little bit excited here with uh with this game me in particular with uh with these two brilliant left-handers uh we've got to look forward to i think we're looking forward to new zealand and the netherlands uh, on oh, monday Netherlands and pakistan and then england bangladesh yes i, I mean for these oh, two sorry. sides and then the next game in the tournament tomorrow night uh tomorrow night is or whatever whatever day it is now it's friday it is, today stuart <laughs> pakistan and the netherlands are your, is your next game yeah 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 it's 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 time for a sleep i think so yeah pakistan and netherlands will we we will be back uh, tomorrow morning we will we will try and digest this result uh, and then we will also be looking forward I guess from a New Zealand point of view what they what they might do selection wise in that next game and yeah there's a chance obviously with a big win like that they might decide that Kane Williamson can can afford to rest another game and see an unchanged lineup but yeah at some point they're going to have to slot him back in and, and some big decisions to make and yeah for England as well I guess when Stokes comes back in, although that might be a simple Harry Brook out, Stokes in. So, yeah, lots, lots more to come in this World Cup. It's been, uh, I can certainly say from my point of view, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to get on this call and talk a little bit more about this game today. Uh, we'll be back, yeah, very, very soon, I, I, I hope, uh, and plenty plenty more throughout the tournament. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe to us on, on YouTube and, and all your podcast channels and, uh, and we'll see you very, very soon.